I suppose not, said he. It was already evening and nearly dark. It was most important that the Prime Minister should know that night that the diocese was vacant. Everything might depend on it, and so the Archdeacon suggested that a telegraph message should be immediately sent off to London. Mr. Harding was taken aback, but he made no objection. Yes, said Dr. Grantly, we must send a message at once. Uh, Will you do it? Uh, I, uh, oh, yes, uh, certainly. Uh, But, Archdeacon, said he, I forgot to tell you, the ministry are out. Thus terminated our friend's chance of possessing the glories of a bishopric. The names of many divines were given in the papers as that of the bishop-elect, The Jupiter, that daily paper which, as we all know, is the only true source of infallibly correct information on all subjects, for a while was silent, but at last spoke out. The merits of all the candidates were discussed and disposed of, and then the Jupiter declared that Dr. Proudy was to be the man. Dr. Proudy was the man. Just a month after the demise of the late bishop, Dr. Proudy kissed the Queen's hand as his successor-elect and was consecrated bishop of Barchester. It is hardly necessary that I should here give any lengthened biography of Mr. Harding. The public cannot have forgotten how ill that sensitive gentleman bore the attack that was made on him in the columns of the Jupiter, with reference to the income which he received as warden of Hiram's Hospital in the city of Barchester. Nor can it yet be forgotten that a lawsuit was instituted against him on the matter of charity by Mr. John Bold, who afterwards married Mr. Harding's younger daughter. Under pressure of these attacks, Mr. Harding had resigned the wardenship, though strongly recommended to abstain from doing so both by his friends and by his lawyers. He betook himself manfully to the duties of the small parish church of St. Cuthbert's in the city, of which he was vicar, continuing also to perform those of precentor of the cathedral. Mr. Harding had spent much of his time with his friend the bishop, much with his daughter, Mrs. Bold. Now, alas a widow, and had almost daily visited the wretched remnant of his former subjects, the few surviving beadsmen now left at Hiram's hospital. Six of them were still living. The number, according to old Hiram's will, should always have been twelve, but after the abdication of their warden, the bishop had appointed no successor to him. No new occupants of the charity had been nominated, and it appeared as though the hospital at Barchester would fall into abeyance unless the powers that be should take some steps towards putting it once more into working order. At the time at which this history is supposed to commence, it had been ordained by Parliament that there should be twelve old men in Barchester Hospital, each with one shilling and fourpence a day, that there should also be twelve old women to be located in a house to be built, each with one shilling and twopence a day that there should be a matron with a house and seventy pounds a year, a steward with a hundred and fifty pounds a year, and latterly a warden with four hundred and fifty pounds a year, who should have the spiritual guidance of both establishments and the temporal guidance of that appertaining to the male sex. The bishop, dean, and warden were, as formerly, to appoint in turn the recipients of the charity, and the bishop was to appoint the officers. There was nothing said as to the wardenship being held by the precentor of the cathedral, nor a word as to Mr. Harding's right to the situation. It was not, however, till some months after the death of the old bishop that notice was given that the reform was about to be carried out. Poor Eleanor Bold! How well does that widow's cap become her, and the solemn gravity with which she devotes herself to her new duties! Poor Eleanor! 
I would not have it imagined that Mrs. Bold forgot her husband. She daily thought of him with all conjugal love, but yet she was happy in her baby, a second John Bold. It was so sweet to press the living toy to her breast and feel that a human being existed who did owe and was to owe everything to her. And so Eleanor's bosom became tranquil, and she set about her new duties eagerly and gratefully. John Bold had left his widow in prosperous circumstances. He had bequeathed to her all that he possessed, and an income that amounted to nearly a thousand a year. Her dearest hope was to hand it over, increased, to the little man who now lay sleeping on her knee. When John Bold died, she earnestly implored her father to come and live with her, but this Mr. Harding declined, and remained in the lodgings he had first selected over a chemist's shop in the high street of Barchester. This narrative is supposed to...